possibly bleak as this. So if we were to start off with the Liverpool game, I cannot take any more of the media coverage of Liverpool, or rather Gerrard at Villa. And like this weekend was just a slew of annoying headlines. I saw somebody tweet about Gerard like standing there listening to you'll never walk alone. And somebody like quote tweeted it and was like, what the hell else is he supposed to do? Is he supposed to go back in the locker room? Like, of course he's going <laughs> to hear it at some point. They were acting like he was like sitting there just like soaking it all in. Dude, it was with, with the see- amount of love the media give Liverpool and Gerard. It was, it was, I had enough of NBC Sports and Sky Sports on all of them this weekend. I, I feel like I might be one of the only people that didn't understand when – do you remember, I think it was on uh, Friday when uh, – not Jared when Klopp started off the inter- or his like pre-match by saying, like, to start off, I will not answer any questions on Steven Gerrard. And then everybody started laughing. I was like, that could be, like, legitimate. Like, I don't, like, I don't understand why I that's know. so funny. I like, know. It's – now, like, and it's – I get that Jared was good, but for somebody who never won a league title with him, I like. I mean, Mo Salah is a bit. Yeah, but like Mo Salah has won more with him than Jared ever did, and is it just because he's English? Do you think that has a lot to do with it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of English, like a lot of the English players in the league, get a lot of unsanctioned love. Um, I don't know. Harry Kane kind of springs to mind. He's been. (laughs) On the receiving end of some abuse now. He tweeted this morning uh, with the F1 results um, saying, like, I'm not an F1 expert by any means, but, like, I don't understand why, um, like, why Lewis has lost, like, the, you know, the whole event or whatever it was. Like, why is he being blamed for somebody else's crash? And then somebody responded to him and said, I think you should be focusing on scoring a little more goals and you should be watching <laughs> F1. <laughs> yeah. It's, it seems kind of hit or miss with some of the English players with their relation to the media. They're either they're either loved or they're abused, like Luke Shaw. Because like well, no, yeah. Luke Shaw could cure world hunger, and he he'd be called fat for the rest of his life. <laughs> and I, I think I think some of it has to do with him being a Man United guy because Wayne Rooney did more in that generation that he was with with like Gerrard and Lampard and, and those guys. I mean, with the exception of David Beckham, who I would almost kind of place in the generation a little bit ahead of him um like Rooney got so much hatred and and some of it he brought on himself he is a bit of a knucklehead anyways but it just seemed like he had so much hate when he was like one of the best English strikers in a long time maybe all time I don't know it just always seemed weird to me so yeah this weekend was perfect for just a annoyance soup for from my (laughs) perspective but um I guess uh, – did, did you get to watch much of that Villa-Liverpool game? The Villa-Liverpool game, I didn't. Uh, I was able to kind of catch – kind of ironically, really the only game I was able to watch was the MLS game. Yeah. I never watch MLS. So <laughs> uh, I feel like the Prem was put on the back burner after um, kind of this week that Spurs had with COVID. Yeah. Like with everything. Like I, they had the match on Thursday against Wren canceled uh, and – Ren and everybody else in the group were angry about it. Which, if they all want to come, if they all want to come to London and get COVID, go for it. I, I, I don't <laughs> understand. Uh, 
And then, yeah, they had the game again. They were supposed to play Brighton this morning. That one, I wasn't too upset that that was canceled because it was a 6 a.m. game. Oh, yeah. It was either sleep until 11.30 the Sunday before finals start or get up at 6 a.m. to probably watch us lose to Brighton. Yep. Um, Yeah, but... I don't know. Hopefully, they're supposed to play Leicester on Thursday, so I'm hoping that it. See, I uh, the training ground opened back up today, and Conte promptly ran a, a double training session in like the span of like four hours. <laughs> so he's picking up for lost time, it seems. Uh, so hopefully, we'll be fit to play play Leicester. I think we have him. I think we have to go to Leicester, um, and after they won four 0 this weekend over. Uh, oh, can't think of the team. It doesn't matter. They won four uh, 0 Newcastle. Oh, let's go. Newcastle are going down. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't really think Leicester are that good. I think it's more Newcastle are garbage. But. Yeah, New, Newcastle's not great. Leicester's pretty solid at home. They've they've kind of built a, a good home environment, except on the final day of the of the season, it seems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, it's, they inevitably lose. Yeah, it's just I, – I saw a thing on Twitter where it was like, Leicester are one of those teams where like when it clicks, it clicks. But right. if it doesn't – they're going to lose by a lot. Yeah, they're and pretty here. And you've kind of seen, like, this year that um, – and it kind of I feel like it's kind of the same thing with, like, Brendan Rodgers when he was at the tail end of Liverpool. Like, they were either really good or they were garbage. Yeah, and yeah. And so I think – I don't know. I don't think his days are numbered at Leicester because it seems like they're kind of starting – uh, kind of starting maybe to turn it around. But they've been awful in Europe. They got booted from the Europa League. They were very lucky to get into – third place and go down to the conference league um and brendan rogers saying that he didn't know what the competition was I'm like go I, fuck yourself brendan rogers. i don't Come i don't on. i don't blame him man I, it's like i i i still barely i mean i guess you know from my perspective i just view it as a, a third tier like it's i mean it's kind of uh, inherent like what it is but i kind of get what he means yeah. like if you're one of those clubs i i mean unless you're tottenham where it's your one shot at, at getting silverware I mean, if you're one of those clubs, it's like, you know, we want to focus on trying to get top four. Like, this is just another another kind of bump in the road that we have to go through. If I was him, I'd probably play a lot of the youth guys. Um, and if you lose, you know, it's almost, you know, it is what it is. But if you win, I guess it's a, a another competition to stay in. But, um, yeah. And, I mean, that's kind of what – it seems kind of like what Tottenham were doing, like, either way. Like, they were never – I think besides um, the – Conte's first game in charge, which was that game against Vitesse um, almost a month ago now, um, he he fielded a full-strength team, and it showed. We were like 3-0 up within 15 minutes, and then Vitesse get those two kind of cre- like crazy goals. Um, and then we cling to a 3-2 victory, which had like three guys sent off. It was the most bizarre game that I have ever watched in my entire life. It, like it never felt we were three 0 up and it didn't feel like we were gonna win, like it just <laughs> felt like it was inevitable that Vitesse were gonna come back and make it a game and then they did and then Romero gets sent off for two sloppy yellows and then he borderline tears his hamstring with Argentina and now he's out until February um, and then Vitesse had uh, an outfield player sent off and then the goalkeeper sent off within <laughs> like five minutes, <laughs> so yeah, it was ten v nine at the end of the game. <laughs> if, if you're one of those teams that like one of those smaller european sides playing in europe i mean that, that's kind of what you want in those sorts of games is to to make it scrappy uh make the other team lose a guy if you can it's uh you know I, i'm sure it'll be interesting to see how english teams approach 
um, Conference League, uh, especially considering you know how they approach a competition like the Europa League or Carabao Cup. So um, I think I think it, especially for those clubs like Tottenham and Leicester and um, uh, you know you know teams in that sort of region, West Ham, kind of how they approach it, I think will be super interesting. But um, yeah. So we, I asked this question. I need to ask you this question. I've asked okay. uh, Patrick and Caleb the last couple times they've been on the show. Do you think West Ham are a good team, like a good team, or do you think they're just in kind of like the when it clicks, it clicks mode uh, I, right now? I, th- I think they're solid. I think uh, it's still a little early to tell, like whether they're because we've seen this with West Ham before, haven't we? Like when they. Uh, a few years back, when when they were really kind of competing for the the uh, upper that half that, of the table, that year that Leicester won the league, they were they were in top spot for like the first month of the season or something, and they looked really good. And then, right, kind well, of they, as you would expect, they kind of self implode and finish about where they should. Yeah, and they they had they had uh, Poyet, wasn't it? Wasn't he just yeah, playing Dimitri lights Payet. out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was he was solid, and uh, um, so we've seen it with West Ham before where. They seem to, and I guess you know if you're if you want to take a, a different perspective on it, you could say, you know, this is kind of what West Ham has been capable of. But for whatever reason, when they moved from Upton Park to Olympic Stadium, you know, that kind of hindered that progress for a year or yeah. two and kind of slowed that. Because if you were to take that out, I mean, this team looks very similar to how they were playing back, you know, a few years years ago when in their final year at Upton Park when um, they had a really strong side. So you know, maybe that's it too. Maybe that's. That has an effect on that was, it. I mean, that, yeah, I saw uh, going off the stadium um, on Twitter, there were a couple guys that were like from The Guardian and from Sky that were in the stadium for when they played, uh, uh, when they beat Chelsea 3 2 last week. Um, that were saying like that was the first time that they had been inside that stadium, like when it had been at full capacity, obviously. And they were like, this is the first time it's felt like a proper stadium. Yeah. Where like it feels like this is their, like it doesn't feel like, they were like in the process of moving stadiums, like how when like when Tottenham were building their new stadium, they were at Wembley for like two years, right? And they like didn't really have like, it's tough to make that place feel like your own, yeah. And because like you think of it in fifteen sixteen and sixteen seventeen at White Hart Lane, they only they lost in that sixteen seventeen season where they almost won the league. They only lost like two games at home, and it's like they are able to make that place a fortress, and. It's kind of what they're seems kind of what West Ham's doing to the Olympic Stadium now. Yeah, well, and Upton Park used to be a really hard place to go and get points. Like that was because the right fans were so close to the field. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's so Olympic Stadium is so different from that that I think it's um, I don't think you can underestimate that change. But I, I still think to answer your original question, I still think it um, is going to take you know uh, may, I think by the end of the season we'll know. To answer your question, I think I think we'll know whether West Ham is the real deal or not. And, um, you know, I think you do have to give David Moyes a certain amount of credit because he seems to, to really work well in, in those sorts of uh, environments. I don't think you can uh, underappreciate what he's done at that club. Yeah. How long until he's made Man United manager? <laughs> Never again, brother. But speaking I said, of which, I said that a couple of weeks ago with Caleb and Patrick, and I, think, I don't think anybody understood what I was trying to say. <laughs> But speaking of which, United back to their old ways, just just grinding out a one 0 win against Norwich. I mean, some things never change. But yeah, think, same against Palace as well. Yeah, end is near when Fred is scoring with his right foot. Exactly. I I I think uh, I think it's a little premature to expect there to be like a wholesale change in the way that that they look in games. I think they still very much, um, 
need somebody like Ronaldo in that side. And it, it kind of makes you wonder if, if they can't qualify for Europe um, next year. He probably won't be around. You know, there's interest yeah. from Real Madrid at the moment, um, which it would be a shame if he could only come and, and, and play for one year at United. I think I think if you were to ask him, I think he probably would have liked to finish his career there. If not there, maybe like back in Portugal or something like that. But at least have more yeah. than one year um, in 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 Manchester. But um, you know, if you're if you're in management right now, and and Ralph has made. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like he's not. If he basically said, you know, if you're a player and you don't want to play here, that's fine. Go ahead and leave. Like we don't have room for you right now. We need yeah. people who are who are going to be willing to to give it all in order to to get to that next level. And I think if you're in management, I, you gotta, I had read this morning. Oh, sorry, continue. Oh, I, I'm just going to say, I think if you're in management, you got to be thinking about the future. And um, you know, if and when Ronaldo leaves, you're going to need to find somebody that can replace him because. You know, I think we saw Cavani in that role a little bit, but that guy can't stay healthy. And, I mean, he's mm. as old as Ronaldo is, you know. so He's slow as molasses as well. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you score goals. Yeah, fair enough. I read this morning, though, that uh, Ragnick was in, like was like going to listen to offers on Rashford, and he was like prepared to like sanction his departure from the club, which seems a little, a little yeah. odd. Well, After, and, like, two weeks at, at the helm and you're already ready to sell, like, your next, like, presumptive big-name player. And he well, already is. Like, I mean, he's not – he is, like – he's still, like, really good. And, and he's an and, academy player. And I think I, – I don't think you can underestimate that. At Man United, they've played an academy player in every single game they've played, I think, since, like, 1942. It's been – they wow. have a ridiculous stat like that. And, um, yeah, you know, I – I know a lot of um, Man United fans have really liked what he's done so far in terms of like the attitude he's brought to the job and everything, but I think he does need to be careful of yeah. overstepping his bounds as somebody who's just a temporary manager. And you know, if he gets enough results, people are talking about how he could become full-time manager. But I think for what it is right now, he's an interim manager. And so to, yeah. to, to do something like that, um, it, somebody who clearly loves the club, um, and I think if, if he had the opportunity, he'd stay at Man United for as long as possible. I think um, you do kind of want to tell him to pump the brakes there because um, while it is great to have that attitude in there, he's not going to be the guy to, to be here long term. So Yeah, see, that was the thing too. Um, I, he, he, cause he, so he's on what, like a six-month interim contract as manager. Right. And then to like, it turns into like that two-year consultancy role right like with bob woodward or whatever um and you kind of hear him saying like oh like well i'm interested as well as like taking like becoming like full-time manager and if like if you're bob woodward in this situation you really need to put your foot down and say no we hired you on a six-month interim and then it turns into a different job which you will not be fired from like if results start to turn right like you have to understand this is why we hired you you are not the long-term solution yeah and he's he is in a position where i I don't think there's a whole lot of checks on him in terms of um you know the higher-ups telling him that he can or can't do things because i just think that's the nature of the the club right now i think it is pretty disorganized um but i guess to like make it a comparison to american sports it's almost like you worry about a situation where the athletic director at a, at a at a school thinks that he's bigger than you know the 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 program itself um yeah and and you know we've seen that here where 
people in those sorts of administrative roles seem to they like to have their hands over everything you know there's certain per- personalities like that so i do think you have to be wary um but i also think it's I, I i didn't fully expect united to come out and play a totally different style of 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 football and i think you've you've seen i mean they played under ole for for a handful of years, Three years. It's, yeah. it's not an easy transition to make especially that style of play um but I do, and I do think it'll probably require bringing in some guys, and it's just such an awkward period for them right now um, that you kind of don't know what the long term decisions are going to be or or how they should be made. So it's a pretty yeah. interesting spot to be in. But as I said at the start, it's same old United just grinding out a win against Norwich, which I kind of yeah. expect. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I? Gonna, oh, uh, kind of just going back to Ole. Um, how badly do you wish that they fired him in October? Yeah. So that you could have brought in Antonio Conte. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I, I see. I see Conte at Spurs, and it's like, man, they're still kind of they're still pretty Spursy to me. It seems he hasn't he hasn't been able to fully implement himself. But, but I they've think done fine in the league. Even, I think I don't think they've they they haven't lost in the league since he came in. Um, I think to your point, though, I think it right now where Man United's at is when they're going to be looking at managers, they're going to be looking at personalities. Uh, and, and Conte yeah. is one of those sort of personalities similar to a Ralph where he's kind of, he's the alpha and he's, he's willing to put his foot down. Whereas Ole was kind of a seen as a player's manager. Um, I think that that's kind of going to be the adjustment that they're going to be looking for with, with who they hire. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't blame the club for, for giving him an extra long leash because I think if you were to go back when he was hired, uh, I do think he, he moved the club forward. Um, maybe overstayed his welcome a little bit just in terms of like the amount of time he was in the position. But um, yeah, I, 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 I still think he should be credited with, with helping the club move forward from where it was when he was there. Cause it was yeah. in bad shape. Roy Keane in. <laughs> uh, yeah, just keep that guy on TV. They seem to like him on TV over there. But <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. I would love to see him on the touchline. <laughs> well, uh, so uh, before we started getting into the episode, we were talking about Leeds a little bit and how Leeds are actually at risk of you know <laughs> going a little further down the table than where they'd like to be or where a lot of people expected them to be, especially considering their finish last year. Uh, they're only they're only five points off the drop. They've taken. Five points in their last five, and kind of not. I guess it's hard to say they collapsed against Chelsea, given that Chelsea are so good. Um, yeah, but I mean they collapsed against Spurs. They were one 0 up going into halftime, and just had no answer for uh, Harry Kane, Son, Lucas, Pierre Emil Hoiberg as well. With more league goals than Harry Kane this year. Um, but yeah, you just kind of start to worry. But I mean, now they do have uh, Patrick Bamford back. Um, but they have a couple. Right as Bamford came back, they had a couple more guys go out um, with some seemingly long-term injuries. So yeah, it would be very tough after their glorious return to the Premier League last year. That if it's only a two-year stay, that would be brutal for their fans. I, and to be fair, I think if you look at the bottom six, if you you know. Going upwards, you've got Norwich City, Newcastle, Burnley, Watford, Southampton, then Leeds. All those teams considered, I, you know, I would still bet my money on Leeds getting out of there and and being yeah. able to survive, <laughs> just purely based off of who they 
are competing against for getting out of the relegation zone. Um, But, you know, typically, I don't know what, you know, it's different every year, but typically if you get about to, you know, 35, 40 points, you're usually pretty safe. Um, But, man, that seems like miles away right now from from where they're currently at. I don't know. I still think – I know I tipped Norwich to go down at the beginning of the year. They're only three points off Watford right now. I don't know. I I don't know. I really don't think that they're going to go down. I don't know. I think they're going to pull off. I think they're going to get a couple of guys in on loan in January that somehow salvages their season and they stay up it's, at the expense of probably Watford, Burnley, and Newcastle. Yeah, in Norwich, they, they kind of lose games in, in interesting ways. Like, for example, this weekend against Man United, it, I forget who it was who who took a shot, but he had Josh Sargent wide open. Like it was, it's like on the old FIFA games when you could they'd call it the cheese goals or whatever. When you yeah. have <laughs> two guys against the keeper, and all Just you have to do is in, pass yeah. it. And it was it was one of those sorts of deals. And so it seems like you know they are pretty close. And Norwich seems to have a decent foundation, but um, yeah, that re- that relegation battle is gonna be interesting to watch because there are. I mean, and you know, you talk about the team in second to last place, Newcastle United, after the financial takeover and everything that would be really interesting if they had to go down to the championship uh and kind of build from scratch um i don't think a lot of people would hate it no i hope they finish rock bottom (laughs) i they just got their first win two weeks or last week and they lose yesterday to leicester by a lot and leicester aren't really anything that crazy right now and I don't know. I mean, unless they bring in every single player that they've been linked to in January, which I guess when you have when you're sitting on like fifty billion dollars in oil money, isn't completely out of the question. Well, I will but, say you're going into a World Cup year. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be in the winter, uh, and players yeah. just generally don't like playing in the championship, and the championship is really hard to get out of. So it could it could make for an interesting dilemma for them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like kind of going off of that, though, I feel like they're going to get a lot of guys that are kind of on the brink of their national team that wants that. They want to get 90 minutes in every week um, to hopefully, like, secure their spot on, like, a World Cup team. Yeah. So I I could kind of see, like, a couple of guys going – but not on permanent deals. Yeah, I just don't I, think I can't any of the guys that you mentioned that they were rooming with in January. I can't see any of those names going to. <laughs> the only one that I can, <laughs> that, the only one that I think like might actually happen would be Genie Wijnaldum because he hasn't played a lick at PSG. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think PSG really wanted him to begin with, so I don't really know why. Because <laughs> he seemed like he he was like it seemed like he was signed, sealed, delivered to Barcelona, right? And at the last minute, it was oh, well, Messi left. I think maybe I'll just follow him. <laughs> and now he's in a situation where he's just not playing at all. Yeah. Because, I mean, they've got a pretty decent – they have a pretty good midfield as it stands. I don't really know. Like, I mean, they're doing they're doing fine in the league. Their UCL form isn't the best. But, I don't know, maybe Pochettino just doesn't like him very much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time we've seen where a manager de- just personally doesn't like a player and so she doesn't choose to play him. Look no further yeah. than Jose Mourinho. <laughs> uh, <laughs> final final prem result uh, of note this weekend is Arsenal three nothing in Southampton. Uh, are we not taking Arsenal seriously enough, or are we gonna, or should we just expect this to be 
be how Arsenal always lets it go, and that's just disappointment ultimately in the end, and ultimately same old Arsenal. Yeah, I wish I wish Caleb was here to get his opinion on this. Um, I don't know. I think I thought they were unlucky to lose against uh, United. Um, I mean, Liverpool, they got obliterated. Um, struggling to think of who their other loss was to because didn't they, they beat Liverpool, then they or did they lose to Liverpool and then United in consecutive weeks? Um, I don't know. I mean, they went on like that crazy unbeaten run from when they lost 5-0 to City and beat Spurs 3-0. Uh, I don't know. I think... They just need a new – what Caleb always seems to say is that they just desperately need a new man up front because yeah. Aubameyang wouldn't score if the goal was 60 feet wide and can't stay out of disciplinary trouble. Did you see that? He was dropped. Yeah. On, he was dropped yesterday because he was getting a tattoo during training. And he, he's, <laughs> Did you imagine? He's had those he's issues their ca- going back to Dortmund. Like he's kind of just one of those players. He's their captain. Could you when when was the last time you heard of like a club captain being just like holding his club in such contempt that oh. he will skip out on training? Like when they are like in like a a scrap for how they finish in the league. I I almost blame that more on Arsenal for making him captain than cuz you kind of know what you're going to get when you do that. You know what I mean? With with a player like Aubameyang, like he's got a history of that. So um I guess I almost put it more on Arsenal and Arteta for for making that decision than, uh, than the player himself, who's quite frankly just being himself. But you're right. I think I, I, I he he seems like he would have, you know, he was like one of the hottest players back in like 2017, but just like in 2021, he just seems like a very, um, and maybe maybe it's being harsh on him to call him an average striker, but I, he's just not clinical enough to to take a team like Arsenal into top four or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, what was I just going to say? Um, oh, I've completely lost my train of thought. Besides, uh, one thing to add, though, Aaron Ramsdale has been spectacular. <laughs> for <them. laughs> Who would have thought it? Yeah, I mean, after – because he was goalkeeper for Sheffield last year, wasn't he? Yes, if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it was Bournemouth in the year that Bournemouth, Bournemouth went down. Then it was Sheffield in the year that Sheffield went down. <laughs> and so then they signed him for – it was like $30 million or something crazy for like this young goalkeeper that was like good. Right. But not like heroic. And he's showing kind of why they paid $30 million for him. He's kept him in – like none of the goals that he let up against Liverpool were his fault. Right. They right. were like uh not like flukes, but like they're not goals where you kind of look back and blame the goalkeeper for not being in the right position or like oh he should have parried that one out rather than back in. Like he was just soundly beaten on a couple of them and then uh Ben White got turned in the washing machine on Jota's goal. <laughs> and uh in uh <clears throat> Is it Nuno Tavares that plays for Arsenal? Because there's Nuno Mendes, the Portuguese left back that plays for PSG. I always get right. those two confused in my head. All the um, Nunos. Well, and Nunos yeah. haven't been kind to you either. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God he's gone. Thank God. Those were <laughs> that was an awful three months <laughs> of of football to watch. It was just so bad. Like I like, but like you. 
not I don't want to go back. I don't want to talk anymore about Spurs. But one, just you can't hire a coach that is proven to have a defensive record, and then bring him in to the biggest club that he's ever managed and say that he's going to completely change his philosophy <laughs> in like the month that they gave him before like a true preseason started. It just doesn't it doesn't work. And apparently he conducted a lot of his training sessions in Portuguese and had uh, to leave or had had to have it like translated. There you go. Which was kind of shocking to me because when you listen to him like talk to the media, like he doesn't it like with like Marcelo Bielsa, like you know that he does not speak English. So like you right. know that, that that is the case. But with Nuno, it did not he did not give me that impression that like he wasn't able to kind of just casually converse in English, that it had to be in Portuguese, which is very interesting to me. But <laughs> so there, there's your two minute Nuno take of the day. Yeah, uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's Any, it. Anything else on the, the prem side of things that you want to mention before heading over down the last? Who wins the league? It's City, probably. Well, maybe, yeah, probably Chelsea, but I don't know. It's just, for me, it's kind of, the, the prem is kind of the same old, same old again. Ever since, you know, you thought maybe once Leicester won the league that it was going to provide a true shakeup, but it's either going to be City or Chelsea. I don't see anybody else being clinical enough. I mean, Liverpool maybe, but. I think once Champions League gets started, I think Klopp will focus too much on that, and um, Pep will be Pep. So, who you got? What's your new top? Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to go with City. They'll probably burn and crash out of the Champions League in the quarters and win the league by 15 points. Yep. Um, who's your new top four? Uh, so, it's got to be City, Chelsea, Liverpool and Liverpool, yeah. So I guess who's the fourth? Uh, I almost it can't it can't be West Ham. No, it can't be. You you almost wonder about Arsenal, like if 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 they're gonna keep hitting their stride. Um, but I still kind of expect Arsenal to to crash and burn, um, as Arsenal does. God, who are you putting in? Who, who's your top four? I mean, well, I think we we all know who the top three is. Spurs is not yeah. going to make fourth. Um, I can tell you that much right now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I Beginning of the year and even last year, I had no faith in them even cracking top five. Now I think we will at least finish fifth. I think I don't want to... This is just going to sound so biased, but I think they'll finish fifth comfortably. They're three, uh, two points off fifth right now with two games in hand, and then a game on Thursday. I don't know. I think maybe they crack into the top four if they get. They need another. They need somebody else up front. They need, well, they need Harry Kane to kick off. If Harry Kane can start scoring goals, we. Get somebody in the midfield that has some sense of attack, like some sense of attacking creativity, like what Endombele was supposed to be. But now it seems that Conte doesn't really like him either. So that's three, four managers in a row that has not liked him. So you got to think it's not the manager, it's him. And I don't know. I think the defense is fine. I, I have slandered Eric Dyer so many times. And kind of just going back and looking over the past like two months, he has been a rock at the back for us since that. I've always, I've always liked Newcastle. him. 
I've always liked him. You know, you that. just like him because he can curl in a free kick. <laughs> hey, means nothing to me. I, I get I get you in my side. Uh, on, honestly, it'd probably be, I, I I'd probably pick Man United. Now that I think about it, I think they probably change managers yeah. at the right time. They're gonna get mo- enough momentum. I just think it's hilarious how you're picking Tottenham after before this uh, call. You're you're mentioning to me about how they need to go all in on conference league just so they could win a title. So. Um, that's great. But speaking of winning titles. Yeah, win a uh, title. I'm not saying they're going to win the league. I'm saying they'll <laughs> maybe crack of, into the Champions League. Speaking of winning titles, uh, New York City FC this past Saturday. What a game. Uh, beat Portland in Portland uh, in an amazing atmosphere. Portland has done yeah, that fantastic was... with that. Uh, a genuinely historic stadium where, you know, Pele played his last game. Uh, they had like Elvis concerts there. It's it's a it's a cool stadium in Providence Park, and they've done renovations to it recently. It was one of the better uh, MLS Cup final venues um, in a yeah. long time. And thank God New York City FC wasn't hosting; otherwise, we'd have to watch an MLS Cup final in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> However, Yankee Stadium. It, it should be worth mentioning that you know, because there's been so much surrounding New York City and kind of their club and uh, the state of things right now, and they made a kind of you know going into the final weeks of the season it looked like they weren't going to make the playoffs and and then you know like any playoff sport goes you hit you get hot at the right time and it it does yeah. wonders you know you can go on and win a title like 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 New York City did um and there's been lots of rumors about them um finally building a stadium in New York City and you have to think that this only helps um you know yeah. ESPN was showing a broadcast of uh uh one of like the um, just like the theaters in New York City that was just filled with New York City FC fans. I think it was probably like 6,000 fans or something like that. It yeah, was, it looks crazy. It was a really cool uh, setup. And so it seems like they, they're getting a lot of really good um, momentum going after, you know, during COVID having to play in your rival stadium in New Jersey and like yeah. having none of your fans be able played, to show yeah, played up. Played in front and, of no fans. Yeah, yeah it's uh, a good story for them and, you know, for Portland and, player like Diego Valeri um not able to 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 get over the hump and Portland's had a lot of success I, th- I think I think they've shown that they've built a really good foundation to have you know multiple years of success um yeah and ultimately I thought it was as you said I thought it was a great great final but I'm, I'm a little biased towards MLS so I'd love to hear kind of your input on on what you thought of the spectacle yeah well uh, I'll start by saying I forgot that the MLS Cup was going to be happening yesterday. I was uh, just getting some last-minute studying done, and it popped up on my phone that it was going to extra time. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> you know, I'll turn that one on, see see how it see how it goes." Because I was just worried I was going to have to listen to Taylor Twelman drown on for the next <laughs> thirty minutes. There's thirty minutes of my life I'll never get back. But the extra time was really good. Sean Johnson saved the. It was like ten minutes left in uh, the second half of the extra time that uh, shot that seemed like it was destined for the top corner somehow somehow he got two hands to it I, I didn't really see how that was possible because uh, I don't remember who it was on New York but they were or on Portland but they were only probably like 15 yards away um, but yeah and then he came up huge and penalties saving the first two uh, yeah and has he ever been considered for like U.S. like the U.S. goalkeeper? You know he has, and I think he's he's gotten a couple caps, nothing in like serious competition. But he's always been a really really solid goalkeeper. That I think if he was, 
you know, I think if he was a different nationality, I think in the U.S. we've always kind of had a good selection of keepers to pick from. Um, yeah. And he happens to be at a time where, you know, Matt Turner's playing out of his mind. Uh, and, and Zach Steffen, of course, is playing for Man City and everything. So, you know, yeah. he, I, I think he's probably that third choice or so. Um, and and he's always been really good. He's one of those guys that never um, – he, he always had chances to go over to Europe, but I think he liked staying in America and playing in the MLS. Um, yeah. And I think he's really developed if you're starting, game. why not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's always been – been comfortable everywhere he goes and it's, it's good to see like one of those guys you know the guys who hang around in the league bounce around different teams eventually get a get a get a title i think is really cool because he played for he played for seattle for a while didn't he uh i know he played for chicago and i think philadelphia as well i don't know if he ever played for seattle because seattle has that, had I, uh fry there for for quite a while oh yeah i have one very distinct memory of sean johnson and it was it's probably one of the funniest YouTube videos I've ever seen, like soccer related. Uh-huh. He he must have been playing like against Seattle in Seattle um, because he they were taking a penalty against him and he came off his line three times in a row and they had to go back and take the penalty three times yep. because he, he came off his line on the first one and saved it and then they called it back, came off his line again on the second time and he saved it. And I think on the third time he got like a like a fingertip to it and it ended up going in. But each time that they called him off the line, he went ballistic on the assistant referee and I think he, he got carded on the second time and almost got sent off. Well, and that's one of those rules that it's like, it's so arbitrary and so weirdly called that if I was a keeper, I'd probably do the same thing. Uh, um, you got to watch. It was like, it wasn't like arbitrary. Like he was like it a millimeter off of the line. He was like almost at the edge of his like six yard area. Good. Like when the ball was being struck, like he was so far off his line that if he didn't save it, it would be ludicrous. He'd just <laughs> be an awful goalkeeper. I've, I've never seen a pen where a keeper doesn't come at least two yards, three yards off his line. You know, it's yeah. That's that's always been such an interesting rule, um, and how it's played out. To answer your question, because then though, they showed uh, he's only played for Chicago and New York City. I don't know why I thought he played in Philadelphia. Maybe because he played at Philadelphia a lot. But um, yeah, he's had uh, it looks like over three hundred appearances in MLS. Uh, yeah, that's what they were saying that he. he it's like three hundred twenty something. I think like the final was his three hundred twenty first appearance. And that's his first uh, silverware. Yeah, it's great, great, great to see a guy like that who's grinding his teeth finally get a, oh, yeah. get a shot at the title. But yeah, because he's got to be pretty old then too. If he's yeah, been playing... thirty-two. It's not that old. He, he went to yeah for a keeper. It's not, and he went to college at UCF as well. Played 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 college soccer as well. Um, and I, I always forget that like guys in the MLS like probably went to college. Like just for yeah, like with my Premier League blinders on, yeah, I just yeah. never think of these guys of having like graduated from a four year school and then getting drafted. Like it just doesn't seem yeah, like that's how it happens. I don't know. I think if I were to guess the percent, I'd probably say it's about fifteen twenty percent are college guys. Um, really? Because I mean, you get guys like Jordan Morris as well, um, mm-hmm. who went to Stanford for one year. He like he was a great prospect coming coming out of high school i guess you know as an 18 year old and he decided yeah. you know what i'm gonna go to school for one year uh went and and won a, a college cup and then it's been in seattle and has a had a really good career and you know that was an example of it really working out i think most of the the talent that you see come out of college that that works is uh, defenders because 
Uh, yeah. I don't know how often you watch NCAA soccer, but it's it's very physical. I mean, it's oh it, yeah, it, it's it's on yeah, the par couple with of games like, I've watched. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's they they let them play, and I mean, it makes sense. You know, you get in with those weight training programs, and um, maybe not as technically gifted, but you know, physically some some really good guys in, in college soccer. And so yeah. that's why I think a lot of the talent you see is either goalkeepers or or defenders. Um, yeah. But but yeah, good. I I thought it was a fun MLS Cup to watch. I I love yeah. the MLS Cup playoffs. Um, I know it's not like the soccer thing to do to have playoffs, but I think soccer in America needs playoffs because mm-hmm. every good professional sport, and I guess at this point too, every collegiate sport uh, that's popular in America has playoffs. I think I think it makes for a really good American soccer spectacle. So yeah, see that's what I was gonna say. Like on the playoff structure, I really like the idea of having. Not just how you finish in like in the league, but because then when you get into like like a month long playoff run, the form kind of goes out the window. Going in, like it doesn't really matter if you're the first like first overall or if you're like the I guess I don't know how far down they go in the standings. Is it fourth or uh, seventh? And it's, oh, it's, are it's, seven it's, from each side? Yeah, it's almost kind of like a. Um... Um, kind of like a wild card for those those bottom ones where they oh, just gotcha. play one off and yeah. yeah. But either way, like it doesn't really matter if you got in on the wild card or because they're all one off games, right? So form goes completely out the window, which I just love. But yeah, it ma- it makes for um, some some really great matchups, and they did well with scheduling. It was tough because there was an international break, kind of like right as it started. Um, but they got really good viewership when they put a game on uh, Thanksgiving this year. That I think that's probably something that they're gonna look to do more often because they got on national television and got uh, really good exposure. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think MLS, you got to tip your cap, uh, in terms of evolution, they're always looking at ways to, to improve and, and get more popular and they're doing well. Um, yeah. before we close out the show, uh, champions league, you got any, uh, predictions for that? It's very boring. Uh, I think Bayern probably win. There are, kind of too strong of a team uh to not do well i think they might miss joshua kimmich uh he's out until february because he had he had covid last month and now he has like some lingering lung issue from it um but talent grows on trees in in germany for them so i don't think they'll i don't think it'll kind of upset any run that they might make um I really hope Ajax go really far again. It's just tough that they can't get to, because they'll be in the same pot like as Bayern, so they can't. I don't think both of them could get to the final. Right. Um. So a Bayern Ajax final, if like if that <laughs> was possible, would make for probably one of the best Champions League finals oh, that we've had in a very long time. A hundred percent. Um. I also think United will make a pretty decent run. Um. But they're kind of in the same. Bo- they're in the same boat as Ajax and Bayern. They uh, seemingly have an easier way or an easier path to the semis, but then after that, it's you got to really, uh, you got to really step up. Um, right. Well, yeah, and the uh, the draws tomorrow, correct? In terms of yeah, when we'll we'll figure out the uh, imagine a Man United PSG draw. Uh, that would Ronaldo uh, and Ma- Ronaldo against Messi on two legs. It, that, Could you that, imagine? That's what that's what we need right now in the sport. I think I think that would be perfect. That'd be fantastic because United would win. Oh yeah, without a doubt in my mind. Yeah, especially with the way Ralph plays, I think that style fits a more tournament style format. Yeah, um, 
that I think and yeah, and and Man United needs to make a cup run. It's been it's been a little too long. Yeah, even if they don't win, they just need to do well. It'd be they just need to go far in something. It'd be great to have that momentum going into the into the uh, off season, and I think that would help bring in some players and and, and yeah. perhaps even a, a manager um, if they already don't have Pochettino. a guy they like. <laughs> I'm I'm for it. You know I've been for that for a while. Or Eric Ten Hag, if he wants to True. get out, the day that he leaves Ajax, he will be able to sign a contract at any club in yeah. the world. Yeah. With what he has done with this Ajax team, it is not. He's done it with two completely different groups of players. Yeah. He had like the two year lag where they got bounced from Europe after they got rid of De Jong and Delict, and then last year I don't remember too well how they did. Uh, but now this year they win all of their group games with Sebastian Haller scoring in all of them. Yeah. Which yeah. is unbelievable. Well, at a club that values youth as much as Man United does, I, w- I would be surprised if he's not in their, their top three uh, managers. He's that they got to be. Get. Um, he pro- he'll probably be, end up being like the most expensive manager of all time. Just oh, on, yeah, like, a probably. wage or whatever. Could you imagine? Yeah. Because he, he was on he – was, he, he was tipped – when Pochettino got the axe at Tottenham, he was like he was like one of the bookmakers' favorites, like right at the beginning. But this is when Ajax were like bad, right? So I was like, nah, I don't know. I think well, he got kind of lucky one year, and then and he's got such a fun style that it's it. He'd be great in the prem. I know he'd be great. Yeah, just like that attacking, free flowing style. Yeah, it'd be awesome. All of these them teams against want. Leeds. Imagine, imagine. Him at United playing Leeds, God. that'd be amazing. Be like, it'd be like splitting two atoms apart. The world would, the world would just implode on itself. Uh, imploding at Ellen Road. I agree. <laughs> All right, well, this is a good episode. It's good to be back with you, buddy. Yeah, been a while. Anything else before we uh, bid our loyal listeners a, a farewell? Yeah, I do have one thing to add. Um, Justin Fields has thrown for a hundred yards of touchdowns in the first half. Um, they're up seventeen fourteen right now. Let's go. Uh, but he also he also did throw a fifty five yard pick. Who picked six. it off? Adrian Amos. So, I'm hoping that it's not his fault. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Rasul Douglas. Yeah, uh, I don't know who that is. Uh, and two guys, the two guys that have caught. One of them I know, Jakeem Grant, forty six yards to the house. Demir Bird. Is the one I have no idea who he is. Fifty-four yards, and it looks like we're about to get to halftime. Go Bears up seventeen fourteen. So I will take it as thirteen point underdogs. <laughs> hey, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that comment. Go Bears, man! I'm not even a Bears fan, but I do hate Green Bay. So that I guess that'll be our final message to the uh, listeners. Thanks for listening to another episode of Four uh, Four Brew, and fuck the Packers. <laughs>